back. James Harden right on target. Bang, bang, George Niang to Paul Reed from Tyrese Maxey. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. Um, we are headed into the All Star break here, so a much needed break for the Sixers. But Sean and I stay busy. Sean, how you doing, brother? Yeah, can't complain too much. Good to get a little break in the the NBA action, the NBA world. Uh, all these guys need it for sure. You can see the the bodies getting beat up and guys hitting the injury report. So happy for them to get a break. Happy for me to get a couple days, maybe. Click on some Netflix instead of uh, whatever random NBA game is on. So, yeah, it feels good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's that time of the year. It definitely feels like it. I feel like we've all gotten uh, to this point. But um, a lot of exciting stuff still to happen. The Sixers get a, get a good win against a good Cavaliers team last night. Um, went from, you know, the classic Sixers go up by 20 early. Um, they end up winning by six in a nail biter. Uh, but, you know, who would have guessed it, right? We're r- right back where we all always end up. But um, just kind of before we get into all the other stuff we're going to do today, do you want to touch on that game a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So I do think it was a it was cool. If we want to chop that up to just the first half, that was up there Great with game. the best I've seen this six years <laughs> play all season. I mean, James Harden looks like he has his complete shake back. He is getting to the rim at will. He's calling guys out. He's calling for matchups now, which is super intriguing and super exciting for the the future of this team. Uh, he he looks great. I guess that was my biggest thing. Embiid still played solid. wasn't one of his best games. Uh, had some interesting comments after about potentially sitting out the All-Star game. Uh, so I'm curious your thoughts on that too, James, and we can circle back to the game too. Yeah, I hope he does, honestly. I hope he does sit out. He definitely needs it. Um, he's been – I was laughing with a couple of my coworkers the other day, like – He's questionable every night. Uh, yeah. It'd be nice for him to to find that balance and, and get back to being because he hasn't missed a lot of games. Um, he, he's really been. He mentioned that in that that press conference as well. Like he's trying to to be in the lineup. He's trying to to give him his team, um, you know, a, a high effort every night. And he's been doing a really good job. And like even yesterday, I I do want to talk about like um, once we start getting into the game and the flow of the game and um, you know where he ends up scoring and everything i thought he did a really good job of letting the game come to him yesterday and i feel like mm-hmm. at times it's you know even if he's not at like 100 he's done a better job at letting the game come to him but um as much as i love to see him perform in the all-star game like i'm i'm totally okay if he if he takes it easy and takes these next eight or nine days off yeah i'm totally cool with it too i do think there's a little bit of saltiness hidden behind these yeah. words and kind of like uh i'm really not an all-star starter and my boy James Harden isn't even in this game, which uh, yeah. I do love. I love that from him. I love that it's there. And I, he, I like the where his head's at as far as this all-star game is not in my plans. This isn't in my, my grand scheme or what I value highest. And I think he is locked in on focused on getting through the second round and at least putting like a real chance at winning a title, which is awesome. Uh, that's what everybody wants. That's what everybody's locked in on. And I, I'm happy to see MB's mind shift like – switch from like the individual accolades and and him clearly caring about the MVP and the scoring title and the the all NBA first team and things that he deserves and has not gotten the credit for to just being focused on earning the respect through winning. So I do think it's some growth and maturity from him. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about that stuff right now. It's going to send me down a rabbit hole that we will not crawl out of until the end of the episode. So um, we'll move past the MVP and the all-star and the all NBA stuff. Um, I'm sure we'll 
talk about it plenty throughout the remainder of the year. But I, I think we're on the same page here. It's, it, he needs some time off. Uh, he, the foot's been bothering him. The shoulder bothers him every game, it seems. He's always grabbing at something. So um, for him to get off his feet, take some time to relax, not travel. Like, I hope he just doesn't travel. Um, yeah. just sits at home and then takes it easy and hangs out with his kid and his wife. Um, be happy for him to take some of that time off. But I did want to talk about James Harden last night. Um, he's almost like he's starting to fall into that. Um, like when you get that pick and roll and they switch and if Evan Mobley's going to try to guard you 30 feet from the basket, like you should be attacking that you should be getting to the rim. Um, and he did that yesterday. And then if Darius Garland stays on you and you, you know, you can, facilitate from there and and they have to go under a screen or whatever it is like i think he's they they're exploiting that that matchup um imbalance when they go into the pick and roll action every single time and he's been fantastic i know we'll talk about grades and everything um throughout their you know the rest of this episode and talk about each guy but Harden last night that first quarter was the most complete version of himself that we've seen thus far and really encouraging to see not only as a scorer but then being able to mix in passing as well first half just was fantastic so really exciting i think that was like a really good um omen going forward i think it, that's going to be james harden for the rest of the year yeah he is artful at that just little pocket pass like he throws that better than anyone in the nba and his feel for it his he's got a little swag with the no look and he puts yeah. a little twist on it too which is cool to see uh, uh yeah it's been impressive him finding that true balance as a scorer and playmaker and he is just so brilliant as a passer. He's gotten better as the season goes on, which is super intriguing. Also, we got to see some B-Ball Paul minutes last night and some very good B-Ball Paul minutes. I mean, the best version of Paul Reed that we've really seen. Happy to see him getting out the mud of late, playing some minutes. He is a screen machine, man. He, When you watch him on the offensive end, he barely makes contact with these guys, so I don't know how much you want to like count him, but he's setting like six or seven screens possession. It's ridiculous running around, but I love it from him. I love the energy, and last night like he really brought it against the Cavs. I loved it, man. Um, I, I want to talk about Jalen McDaniels a lot. I'm really enjoying him. Um, and I know Sixers fans like saw the Thibault game where he he played really well in his first game with the Blazers, and I'm just like, dude, I don't care. I don't. Yeah. I do not care. Um, he can put up whatever numbers he's gonna put up. Jalen McDaniels is a so much of a better fit here. Um, that front court of a Jalen McDaniels and Paul Reed front court it's is. It is so much fun. It's everything that the Sixers haven't been for the last three years. It's everything that they, they struggled against for the last three or four years. Like those guys are everywhere. They're flying around, they're jumping passing lanes. They're switching everything. Paul Reed sticking with Darius Garland and sending his shots back. Jalen McDaniels is flying out and guarding Donovan Mitchell. Like stuff we have not seen at all from a Sixers player in years. Uh, and Jalen McDaniels just within two, three games has been able to come in and, and change the scope of, of how they look at their bench lineups. And I'm so happy that they've given the opportunity to him and Paul Reed to play next to each other. Cause dude, it is a nightmare for other teams. You know, there, there's nothing you can do. There's no way around it. Yeah, totally though. That duo is so fun to watch the way they were trapping blitzing. I, I took to Twitter to try and come up with a, a nickname for the duo. Cause if that keeps playing together, that's my new favorite thing. So we do have a couple that I really like here. Shout out Phil BR. Uh, Mick Reed has been the, the favorite. The Mick out the mud, I also really like. Combo four four seven, not bad. Uh, scrambled eggs, B ball, Mick B ball, <laughs> cosmic deflex, skin and bones, so much lankiness. So I, uh, there's a lot of good options. Uh, I love it if the, this becomes a do it. And Jalen McDaniels, uh, we're definitely getting the the honeymoon period of him. The, yeah. This 
the best version. Because when you did watch him with the Hornets, like he was a guy not afraid to chuck up some shots, took some ill-advised uh, just decisions with the ball. He's not in that situation where like the, the Hornets clearly in a much different outlook as a franchise where they're a losing team, uh, a lot of young guys, not a real structure. I think it's been helpful to him to have like a clear defined role to like you don't you don't need to really do anything offensively. And uh, on the offensive glass, I've been super impressed with the way he's grabbed. He's a real deal athlete. He's a guy he's like not just like an athlete in the way that he can just leap vertically and run fast, which the lob third is absolutely an asset game, but he's su- uh, an asset in his game, but he's super smooth. He's got like a, he's agile. He can fly. Like he's just like a, a real basketball player and a guy that like fits what the Sixers team needs. And it looks like doc has a little bit of trust in him way more than I expected. Like he moved him in some of those defensive units last night. He put him out there for some like key possessions. And I think that's huge moving forward. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm, you know, I was definitely fond of him coming into this and I know we were both excited about the move. Um, but I've seen just a lot of good stuff from him. He, he's a complete player. Um, you know, not perfect by any means. Like we're not going down that route at all. And I think he's for this role. I think he's just gonna be very effective. I know um, I actually have a Hornets fan at, at work and he was like, he's going to do some stupid stuff. And I'm like, he might, uh, he was like, be worried about the turnovers. I'm like, he's not gonna be handling the ball much. He's not going to have the chance to do anything where, you know, outlandish. Is he going to mess up here and there? Absolutely. Um, but little things like he had a couple tap-ins yesterday. Mm-hmm. He catches lobs. Like he's in both of the games that he's been playing in, catching lobs, um, doing things that we just haven't had guys that can do it um, on this team for a little bit. So I, I've been a really big fan of his so far um, and giving you a lot of defensive versatility, which again, cannot go um, unnoticed and is a, a price worth paying in, in the NBA, especially come playoff time. And I think that, um, you know, we all, we haven't even talked about Dwayne Devin and I really hope we never have to, but like if those two guys, like if McDaniels and Reed can play like that together and be that effective on a nightly basis, I don't think we'll ever have to worry about it. Um, you know, we're going to, we, I know we're going to, I know, <laughs> I do know we're going to, there's no way around it, but um <laughs> Like right away, Doc was like, I like him. He's really good. Um, and that's that's huge to come from him. So I, I was really excited about it last night. Got me really excited about the, the future for those guys. And I hope that they stick with that that combo going forward. Yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts on Deadman? I mean, I, I, I gave you my brief spiel on it is you flash back four years ago and he's an excellent backup center, but we're in the same boat where I just don't think he has anything left in the tank. The on off numbers from the heat are pretty scary and uh if a guy is on the buyout market, they're typically there for a reason. And I do think that's the case with Deadman. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't, I was, it's the last thing I needed on a Monday morning following an Eagles Super Bowl loss was yeah. Dwayne Deadman signs with the Sixers news. It was just like, they're piling this on right now. I don't need it. Um, Yeah. I, I Like if you get, if you get, think about, can you even tell me who the backup center right now is for the Miami Heat? Uh, it's uh, what's his name? The um, Orlando Robinson. Yeah, he Orlando Robinson. State, I, State yeah, guy. I asked. Yeah. I have a. I also have a Miami Heat fan. Um, and I texted earlier. I was like, "Who's even playing backup center for you right now?" Orlando Robinson. So if you're getting cut in place of Orlando Robinson, so he can he's, come up and play. Who's on a two way contract, by the who's way? Who's on a two way contract? So if you're getting cut in front of that guy, so he can take your minutes, and it's no disrespect to Orlando Robinson. It's just a situation at hand. If you are the guy that's getting waved to see you later, we don't want you around anymore. That is not good. Um, and we've gotten to this place again where we're here. We are, you know, 
it's February 16th. It's, you know, it was what, four days after the trade deadline um, at the time. And what do we do? We get, we get Dwayne Devin. So it, it was honestly a knife in the back. It feels like they just don't give a shit. And they're like, whatever, somebody's around. Yeah. So like, I'd rather DeMarcus Cousins at that point. Yeah, I would take, I definitely would take Boogie over him. And I would even probably take Hassan Whiteside over him. And I mean, we're talking about Dwayne Dedman, who played for the Sixers before the process even started. <laughs> he played 11 games for the Sixers in uh, the 2013-14 season. He also got suspended for throwing a massage gun on the court this year uh, in an argument with Spolstra. So just weird stuff and you know, whatever. That's our guy, man. Yep, here we are. Yeah. yeah. But uh, should we get into some player grades for the first half of the season? Or is there anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, I think we're good. I, I think I've I think I've covered everything. I mean, we didn't talk too much specifically about last night, but um, we don't really have to. I don't think it, you know, it happened the way I, they were really hot shooting, played good defense in the first half, and then it kind of fell apart, but they ended up winning. So yeah, common Sixers game. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into this. So let's look at now that uh, the All-Star game is here, just kind of a, a baseline grade for how these guys have performed based on our standards and expectations. And we'll kick it off right at the top with, Joel Hans Embiid, who has played 45 games this year, averaging 33.1 points, which is second in the NBA, 10.2 rebounds, 4.1 assists, 1.5 blocks, 1.2 steals, shooting 35.5% from three and 53.7% from the field. How do you feel about Embiid's performance this year? He's the man. He's the best. Uh, best in the business, man. I, I was thinking about it the other night. Me and my, a couple of my buddies were playing 2K um playing with Allen Iverson I was like man it would have been really cool to see him in his prime like I was two years old when they went to the finals so like you were both of us were very young so although I remember AI I don't remember too much of it um but it made me think about how lucky we are to have Joel as our guy and our generation uh you know fastest player in Sixers history to reach 10,000 points 11th fastest player in NBA history uh to reach that mark he's the man he's incredible a plus yeah I'll go I'll go on this a minus just because I mean, he's still exceeded my expectations for sure. It feels like every year I go, like, I think that might be his best year. Like, I think yeah. that might be his ceiling as a player, and he just finds new ways to beat it. The only thing that I will say as a bit of a step back is there's been times this year where I think he's gotten a little too much tunnel vision, a little too much score-oriented. The best version of Joel is still trusting the teammates, even when they're not making shots, even when, like, you just have to function the same way. So there's been a couple spots where I've, I've seen that go the wrong way. Uh, the turnovers, he started off uh, doing fairly fairly well with cutting those down. Those have kind of crept back in. The assists have dropped back down a little bit. But all in all, I can't complain about this guy at all. And uh, thrilled to have him as the face of the Sixers. And, yeah, he's the man for sure. So A- minus for me. There you go. We'll move on to his co-star, his partner in crime, James Harden, who has played 41 games this year, averaging 21.4 points, 10.8 assists, which leads the NBA, 6.2 rebounds, 1.2 steals, uh, shooting 45.1% from the field, which is about a 50% increase from his last year with uh, the Sixers, and 38.9% from three, which is nearing on a career high as a three-point percentage and about 7% uh, more than last year. Yeah, I would. Uh, I was going to give Harden an A-. minus. Um, I think that he's been fantastic. I love watching this guy play, man. Um, I know we kind of we kind of go back and forth with this, um, just thinking about how crazy it is that he's even on this team. Yeah. Um, but dude, he's a joy to watch. And as a, a basketball fan, like not even just a Sixers fan, but as a basketball fan in general, the way that he cuts down the game and breaks it down to a science, um, he's incredible. And, and seeing him back to an athletic level where he's able to break guys down off the dribble, um, shooting the three 
at a really good rate and and he hits a lot of he's been very clutch this year he's been performing in, in moments that um, we saw last year we struggled in at times so I've been really really happy with him um, and I you know as a as a point guard in my heart I love watching him play so I'm a big fan of Harden so far this year a minus I think is pretty solid for him yeah we're gonna do the the flip-flop here I'm gonna go a plus for Harden there now. you go He's checked every box I could have asked. The efficiency has been the biggest thing. Uh, the three-point numbers are pretty unreal, and it like matches the eye test. Like The shot just looks better from last year. He's got more in his legs. I was very skeptical of like how much the hamstring issues really impact him. I now fully believe it. Like I see more bursts in his game. He looks more in shape. He's gotten He's improved as the season's gone on. Uh, he's had moments where he's just been like the straight up number one option for this team and delivered. Uh, he's still artful as a passer. He he still knows his role, gets the ball to Embiid when it's inappropriate. And the transition offense, I'd like to point out, I saw a stat today. There's three different Sixers ranked in the top 10 for transition efficiency this year, meaning the highest points per possession in transition. Uh, in transition. That's uh, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. All three of those are a credit to James Harden, and not because he's ever a guy who is going to be lightning quick, but those whip ahead passes and those like touchdown passes are vital to the Sixers team. That's basically their transition play. So he truly is the quarterback of this offense and he's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And even like he Harden obviously will will get some of the credit for for this, but there was even a play the other night uh, or you know, two plays last night that I can remember off the top of my head. The first one was um a dish to Melton mm-hmm. and he ended up going down the left side of the lane and Garland had to choose between him and Harris and he chose Harris and and Melton went right down the middle and laid it in. Um, and then there's another play, similar thing where the lob gets thrown instead. And they've had a lot of those situations where Harden creates a two on one. So you might look in this stat sheet and, you know, Harden's leading the NBA in assists per game. So it's not like he needs any more of them, but those are assists that don't get counted. Like creating an advantage for your offense without getting the number for it is just unselfish basketball. It's him just being a savant and being a master at his craft. He's been able to do things like that all season every single night. So, you know, beyond just the assist numbers, he's creating offense on multiple levels. Just fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy with, I know we're kind of gushing over him right now, but I've been very happy with him. Yeah, totally. And uh, those were definitely the the two, I think we had the highest expectation and kind of have delivered the most this year. So some guys we might be able to nitpick a little more uh, on uh, nitpick a little more on moving forward. We'll start off with Tobias Harris here. Uh, so Tob- Tobias Harris is averaging 33.6 per, uh, minutes per game, which is third on the Sixers, 15.4 points, six rebounds, 2.6 assists. Uh, his three-point numbers are at 37.3% on 4.7 attempts per game, which is honestly higher than I would guess. Uh, what's your feeling on Tobias Harris? Are you still ready to tell a friend to tell a friend? <laughs> um, I, gave, I gave Tobias a B-, minus, um, which I think is fair. I think it's, it's not only... Uh, realistic but it's it's hopeful as well i think that we've seen very good versions of tobias this season and we've also seen um some pretty brutal versions of tobias the the times where he is not decisive and uh not pulling the three and trying to bully guys when he when he can't or trying to take over the offense at the wrong times and um there's been games where he ghosts and just doesn't is not a, a part of the, t- the game at all. So um, the lows have been there and visible, but I think that there's been a lot of really good Tobias games and a lot of like last night was a very good Tobias game. Um, I think that when he simplifies the game, gets out in transition, like you've pointed out, he's very efficient there. Um, 
and attacking closeouts and hitting open jumpers. Like I feel like Tobias's game when it's at his best is very simple. When he complicates it is where he gets in trouble. But um, I still think he's been very solid. 15 points per game. Like it's there. It's not his best. It's not the best version of Tobias that we've seen, but I think it's still pretty solid. And um, I'm hopeful that when it comes time, his experience and his leadership will become uh, more important for this team. So I think there's still a lot of value with Tobias here, and I'm not ready to, to jump ship as I see a lot of people are, are kind of going back towards that side of it. Yeah, you flashed back about like a month and a half ago, and I'm ready to slap a nice A on this paper. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that last, like, it's been, fr- it feels like, and, and we did give Tobias his flowers during the stretch for the we beginning did. of the season, how he played. But it's just, it feels like the second he kind of like got over that hump and made those adjustments, he kind of just regressed back to the Tobias Harris that we didn't want. And, and not making quick decisions, looking hesitant off the catch and shoot, trying to do too much at times. And defensively, I don't think he's been as good. Don't think he's been yeah. as connected. He hasn't been that guy that ready to like step up. And that's been disappointing. Uh, the three point numbers have dipped down. 37% is still very good. And I'm still pretty happy with that at the rate, but I, I need to see more volume. The volume's going down too. I don't want to see him under five, three point attempts per game, which is what he's down to. He was hovering near six for most of the beginning of the year. Uh, so I'm going to give him a, a, a C plus for, how far he slipped, maybe a little bit harsh, but uh, if he can return to the form that he was at the beginning of the season, it's exactly what the Sixers need, and I'm hope I'm hopeful that he can get there. But man, I wish I wish it didn't uh, I wish it didn't scale back the way it did. Yeah, and we did see a very very good version of Tobias earlier this season. I feel like as this team gets you know back into a rhythm, there was a lull there. Like we as a as a group, I feel like there was a lull for them over the last month or so. Um, it's there though. I th- I think that this team is um gonna be slept on for a little bit, and obviously this is more of a, like a holistic view. But um I saw a lot of flashes from from them last night that makes me feel like they could be a really really strong team come playoff time. Tobias is part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh we'll move on to the next guy. Another guy is gonna be a key part of that uh, playoff rotation, as you mentioned, and that's the Anthony Melton, the guy who has ascended to the starting role, started forty five of the fifty four games with the Sixers in 28.5 minutes per game. He's averaging 10.7 points, 4.2 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 1.7 steals, which leads the Sixers, shooting 40.1% from three on 5.4 attempts per game. Is D-Melt still been the guy in the highlight of this offseason? Yeah, um, I gave him a, a B+. Plus. Um, I, I, I'm anywhere from a B-plus to an A-minus on him. I think anything there is, is fine. Um the beginning of this year was like uh, the high of high with the Anthony Mountain. And don't get me wrong. Still a very big fan of his. I love his game. Um, I love what he brings to this team. It's a, a unique skill set that we haven't seen um, on this team, but we've kind of come back down to earth with him shooting wise. He's not like there felt was a point in time where it just felt like he didn't miss for the first yeah. like quarter of the season. Just like everything he's putting up is going in. Um, but I really like him. I really like his, you know, the additional ball handling, the floor spacing. He's a willing shooter out there. Um, but like we've talked about, he's not um, a guy that necessarily needs the ball in his hands to be productive. He gives you his all on the on the defensive end of the court. Although like there's nights like Darius Garland by no means is a um, an easy assignment. But there were times last night where it's like he just looked lost at times, uh, which is fine. It like it, it happens. Um, but when you, you got that, your, your game is predicated on being a good defender. You really want to see that side of the ball, um, be, be handled the right way. Um, but I still, I, I like D melt a lot. I really like what he brings to the table. A lot of really good energy. Like you said, another transition guy that gets out and runs good shooter, good defender. 
And like you said, good uh, jumping the passing lanes and doing stuff like that. So I think that kind of liberated them to move on from Thibault because he gives you a lot of those same things. But um, very happy with the Anthony Melton. Yeah, absolutely. And Doc Rivers talked about it after the game last night that he was a guy really looking forward to this all-star break and really in need of getting to this all-star break. He's on pace for playing far more minutes than he ever has in his NBA career, has received a bigger role with the Sixers. And for the most part, he has delivered. I'm going to give him a B plus as well. I think that's pretty spot on. Uh, there definitely was the the highs of the high at the beginning of this year, uh, as you mentioned with all of this. Yeah. He's definitely slid a little bit of late. There's been a lot of those like one for four shooting nights and stuff like that and still been pretty solid. Uh, he's going to be a necessary and key part of this team moving forward. And he's still been very good. I'm interested to see if there's any changes in the, the starting lineup. Uh, if Maxi's plugged back in there at any point, if they try and play around with it more, if, or if they fully lock in on Melton being the guy, uh, the three guard lineups are still going to be something to kind of monitor moving forward and, and how Doc exactly uh, irons out a plan for how this works. But regardless, Melton is, is super key considering the defensive uh just lapses or liability, however you want to put it, of Harden and, and Maxi. So uh, I give Bill, I give D Mel to B plus and overall pretty happy. Yeah, I think that's that's all very fair. Uh, another offseason addition, maybe not as warm of a response among Sixers fans as PJ Tucker. So PJ Tucker started all 55 games for the Sixers, uh, 25.7 minutes per game, 3.4 points, 3.9 rebounds. 0.8 assists, 0.5 steals, 0.2 blocks, shooting 40.2% on 1.7 three-point attempts. Has PJ talked about yeah. I don't give a shit, man. I love PJ. All right, I all right. love PJ. I am I gave him um I gave him an A minus. Wow. I love wow. PJ, man. I I don't care. I watched last night's game. He he locked up Donovan Mitchell for the first <laughs> half. Like he did. Like, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? And and you know, I saw a I wish I kept the tweet. I wish I, I read it a little bit more closely, but essentially the tweet was saying against teams that are top five in either conference, he's been fantastic in those games. Yeah. He he gets up for the bigger games. He was fantastic against Denver. You think about the Denver, or the, uh, the Brooklyn games, he's been very good. You think about last night against the Cavs, like he's been very good in those bigger games. He's going to be a guy that is ever more important come playoff time. I wish he shot a little bit more from three. I was looking back at his numbers um, from some, you know, the Rockets days and, and things like that. So I was, I want him to shoot more, which is a weird thing to say, but I think he is kind of opening up a little bit. Um, we've seen him take a, you know, a few more shots. He knocked a couple down last night. And when it goes in, man, it's just going to be demoralizing for a defense to watch PJ Tucker, you know, drill a couple of threes. So a minus might be a little bit high. I know a lot of Sixers fans might be souring on PJ, but I love it, dude. I I think he's a guy that just fits here. Um, and I I hope when this this season rolls down to the playoffs, I think people are going to start realizing um, his value to this team. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going B minus. Uh, I yeah. I thought I might be a little high on a B minus, but you uh, <laughs> you eclipsed me there. So uh, I like Tucker. He's grown on me for sure. Uh, I mean, we've we've said all season that it's going to basically come down to the postseason for how he's remembered, how he's determined, how this season measures up and. Uh, he's kind of turned it on of late. I, there's definitely been some steps forward in his willingness to shoot, the things he's doing offensively, uh, stepping up defensively. He does get up for the big moments, and uh, he's he's just he's a dog. He is who we thought he was, and he's kind of putting it on. So I, I'm happy BJ Tucker's here. I do think he's gonna be around when it matters most and be ready to step up. But I'll slap a nice B minus on what we're getting out of him so far. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of his. I, I hope. Um... I know, I'm I'm sure of it, that will come playoff time, people are going to be happy that he's on this team. All right, I love it, I love it. We'll switch gears to Tyrese Maxey here. 
Uh, Maxi, it's been an interesting season for him so far. He started 22 of the 38 games that he's been active for, dealt with the first real injury of his career in the, the time that he has been on the, the floor. He's averaged 32.8 minutes per game, 19.8 points, uh, 3.6 assists, 2.8 rebounds, shooting 39.4% from three on 5.9 attempts, uh, and 45.5% from the field overall. What's your uh, grade for Maxi? Yeah, I have a B plus for him right now, and it's that's not indicative of of how I I genuinely feel about Tyrese. I think we're all, um, you know, still very high on him, and I think that has just been like kind of a weird season for him, bouncing back and forth, being out for a good portion of time with the injury. Um, even just like two weeks ago, he was talking about being with his family and having a really difficult time and figuring it out. And I think it speaks volumes to him as a person that he was able to, you know, be honest with himself and and kind of get down to back to like ground zero and and work back up. I think he's been really good since then. And um, just simplifying the game again, man, I I think that he sometimes can get wrapped up in the starting or not starting or where he's scoring or when he should be scoring. And and rather like, I I feel like the last couple of games, he's just been um, in attack mode in scoring mode, fearless again, which I, I think is a big thing for him is just like having absolutely no doubt in his mind um, on what he can do taking those deep ass threes it cracks me up when he does it because it's like it just it's amazing when it goes in but it takes some balls to do it but he does it yeah. a lot so i'm happy to see that that kind of stuff come back with him attacking the rim um constantly putting pressure hit a big floater last night um and you know playing alongside Harden and Embiid. i think um when he has those roles kind of switching up it's difficult sometimes um so i hope he, he they they find a more solidified role for him um Hopefully he stays healthy, but very confident in Tyrese getting back uh, to fully himself in the second half of the year. But I think as of right now, just with everything that he's gone through this year, it's uh, been like a B plus year for me so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I had a tough time kind of separating uh, yeah. Maxi's play and Maxi's usage because I do think yeah. they're two different uh, topics of conversation. We will slap a grade on Doc at the end of this as well. Uh, <laughs> but for Maxi specifically, I'm gonna go with a, a C plus here and. Might be a little harsh. I do think uh, the expectations have risen so high for Tyrese, like so quickly. Like we forget this is his, this guy's third year in the NBA. This is a guy who's the 21st pick in the draft, and he's for sure far exceeded all expectations. Uh, but to kind of throw everything on his shoulders so quickly isn't quite fair to him. And uh, he there's going to be some growing pains, as there are with every single NBA player. So he kind of faced that adversity for the first time in his uh, NBA career, and I think he's responded well. We're seeing him. Uh, step up, fill his role, do whatever's asked. I'm, I'm, I need to find a way or need to see evidence of Maxi being the most of most himself alongside these these other two stars. Like he can't become an afterthought to me. He's still super key. So uh, some of that is within him of making sure he he brings it regardless of who's around him, and he's he doesn't let the situation get lost on him. It's a tough task and uh, challenging for him to figure it out, but. I need to see it happen. And that's what I'm looking for for the second half of the season. I hope that um, I think it might be time to, to put him back in the starting lineup. I don't know about you. And and that's a conversation we can definitely talk about going to the second half of the year and, and kind of table that. But I think it might be time. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've still gone back and forth on it. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that more in depth. Uh, I, I can be swayed that way for sure. I'm curious to see how locked in doc is on that, but uh, we'll, we'll keep plugging for now. Let's go with Shake Milton next. Shake Milton, who's played in 53 games this year, started nine of them in 21.5 minutes per game. He's averaged 9.2 points, 
3.0 assists, 2.7 rebounds, shooting 38.7% from three on two attempts per game. It's been a, a little bit of an up and down season for Shake too. What kind of grade would you give him? I gave him a B. Um, it's just kind of middle of the road with Shake. Um, I, I feel like for a long time we had a lot of um, excitement about what he might be or what he could be. And I think that we're kind of settling into the fact that this is Shake Milton. And by no means is he a bad player. He's He does some stuff on the court. Like I've always had an affinity for Shake and the way that he handles the basketball and um, you know the kind of quirkiness and uniqueness to his, his game, getting to the rim and the way he does um, long arms and the different kind of stuff. I, I really do enjoy his game. I just think that he's limited in a lot of ways. And he also finds himself in situations where he, there was a play last night that was just like, so shake Milton. Uh, he picked up his dribble, like a step inside the three point line, put his head down to drive, got bodied. And then just like pulled up for a fadeaway one, like a jump shot at the free throw line. And it's like, that is just so shake. Um, and sometimes he, it, you know, sometimes it works for him. Sometimes it doesn't. It's just one of those things where I, I don't think that, um, the ceiling is much higher for him than what it is. So I'm not upset at what shake brings to the table. I'm just like, this is what it is. Um, so I don't, I don't really tend to expect more from him. So B is just kind of where I, I found myself at this point. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm going to slap a C minus on there. Uh, the highlight of the season for sure for shake was that shorthanded stretch where there was no maxi, no Harden, And he took all those reps. I thought he stepped up as a starter in a major way yeah. and secured his first career double, double was nearing on triple double figures for a couple. He was doing everything, the assists, the rebounds since it's been like a full team again, I just haven't seen that. And it, it once yeah. again feels like it's like he's either scoring a couple buckets for you and it's a productive a productive stent on the court or he doesn't really do anything. And that's that's what I needed to change. And that's what I thought was changing for a little bit with him was that he was able to do some other stuff, help out on the boards, create for his teammates a little bit. And I haven't seen it of late. And he's kind of stepped back to just that that guy again. So while he's still like definitely a, an NBA level guard and a competent player, I've been frustrated by uh, seeing a little bit of regression in him throughout the second half of the season. And uh, yeah, I'm giving Shake Milton a C minus. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's, it's tough. I think um, for him, it's just like, I don't even know what more to, to expect or say for him. Um, just cause I, I feel like he does have it. Uh, just some nights it's just not there and it's, it's kind of a weird balance mm -hmm. for him. We'll move on to another uh, key bench player here. And that is George's Niang, a guy who continually seems to exceed expectations. Uh, Averaging 19.8 minutes per game, 8.8 points, 2.5 rebounds, 1.1 assists, shooting 40.9% from three on 5.3 attempts per game, and elite in the trash-talking category. So the minivan yeah. has been running. How how uh, surprised or impressed have you been with this season? Yeah, I love George. I think we all love George. Uh, B-plus for me for right now, just um you know and again I, I could be swayed either way if you told me it's an a I, I, yeah that's fine with me also um love the way he shoots the basketball uh love the way he he attacks the game of basketball and he's just he's unafraid uh unashamed he's just out there hooping and doing what he does best um but he's not a good defender and there's times where you know when he's not making threes it's like get this guy um, off the court because there's just there's just those times there's just those games where it happens obviously i think very very happy and valuable um to have him here on this team so by no means am i trashing him i just feel like there are times when the shots are not falling um and the defense is the way that it is he can be kind of uh targeted on that end of the floor so 
love George, love what he brings to the table. I think he'll be a valuable like eighth or ninth guy come playoff time. I'm um, going a guy that can swing a playoff game, like fully being honest. Um, it'll happen, but there'll also be times where like his defense is just makes him unplayable. So B plus is where I fell on that guy. I'm going a minus for him. And yeah. it continually surprises me what a key part of this team he's become. Yeah. Uh, he's just cold-blooded. He's not afraid to sling it, not afraid to shoot it, not afraid to get it in somebody's face. And he's just legitimately an elite shooter and a, a guy that continues to impress. When I go to the games and watch him pregame, it's amazing to watch. Like, he really just can't miss it in those routines. And it does translate to the game. So I, I think they've done some interesting stuff, kind of running some off-ball sets. It's not the most aesthetically pleasing uh playing the playbook to see him running off a screen and, and shooting it. I mean, he's still, he's probably gotten like a combined, like one foot off the ground. If you add up <laughs> all the three pointers he's launched all season, but it works and uh, he gets the job done. Uh, yeah. I, he, this was a guy that I, I didn't have much expectation for when coming to the Sixers and he continues to just grow and grow on me. So uh, I give Niang an A minus and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I, I still have concerns come postseason time for sure, but just his shooting ability, alone will keep him a part of this rotation fully agree love george yeah so uh we'll keep on plugging along and uh, an, an interesting one here montrez harrell so in 50 games this year he has started seven overall he's averaging 12.5 minutes in which he's produced 5.7 points and 2.8 rebounds shooting 60.5 percent from the field and uh yeah any any thoughts on trez yeah i don't have too much to say about trez um didn't work out you know, I, I we, there were times where we excited, we were excited about him, and there were were games that he played well, but um, it's just not there for him anymore. And you know, I saw him and Joel do like a funny handshake before last night's game, and it, made, it like actually made me laugh, like out loud. I was, I, I for whatever reason thought it was very funny, and I hope that as long as he's around, um, he keeps some good energy, and I, I, I think we can count on him for that. Um, but aside from that, I don't, I don't have too much to say. It just has not been a great year for Tres. Yeah, I like Trez. As a human being, he's a terrific guy. Uh, cool personality. Awesome dude to, to deal with. But uh, from a basketball standpoint, I'm going with a nice D on this one. And uh, I didn't I, I didn't think he was the postseason solution by any means. I mean, I think that's pretty well documented based on his history, his history with Doc uh, and just the, the flaws that he has in his game. But I did have hopes for him as an innings eater, regular season guy who could produce a guy offensively gifted enough to make up for his defensive lapses. And that hasn't been the case. I mean, he's attempted a total of nine shots outside 10 feet this year, which that just shrinks the the floor so much. And that hasn't traditionally been him. Like he's had a little mm -hmm. bit of a bag outside that it. it's one of the, like, I don't understand how he's this washed at 29 years old and three years removed from winning six man of the year. It's really disappointing to see. Uh, I wish Trez worked out more. I want to be a Montrez Harrell guy so bad. And, I, I I'm happy he's here for the vibes for the energy, but you're right. It just hasn't worked. Yeah. And uh, I mean, not that uh, Dwayne Dedman's given us any, any extra hope, but uh, yeah, just, I, I just don't think it's going to work out with Trez. Yeah. That, um, unfortunately the, the writing is on the wall there and uh, we'll see what kind of opportunity he gets in the second half of the season uh, to switch to his counterpart. Here is Paul Reed. Who's played in 44 games, averaged 9.6 minutes per game, produced 3.1 uh, points, 3.2 rebounds, which I would like to point out is more than Montrez uh, in less time. Uh, what are your thoughts on B-Ball Paul? Uh, yeah, I gave him I gave him a B just because like I, I just don't think there's enough of a sample size really with him this year. Um, yeah. Just I, I don't know if we can fairly grade him or fairly uh, analyze what he brings to the table yet. 
from what we've seen, uh, especially recently, I feel like we've been really encouraged by his play. Uh, that, you know, it seems like we might always be that way, but I, I do hope that the second half of the season brings uh, more Paul Reed minutes and so we can actually uh, more fairly analyze what he brings to the table. Yeah, I, I agree. It's tough to fully judge based on what we've seen, but I've been encouraged with the moments that have been there, and uh, uh, I don't have it in front of me. I just was writing an article where I had this. I believe it was 13 games this season he's had uh, do not plays where he doesn't get any minutes, and then 15 games he's had four minutes or less on the court, which you just can't judge a guy off that. So really it's been not as large of a sample size as playing in 44 games would indicate because uh, it's just been that quick trigger. We've we've spoken about this the entire b-ball paul era of you gotta let him play through his mistakes you gotta let him figure things out to his credit he kind of has like he does look more composed out there he's not as all over the place as he once was the as much as i joke about the screens that he's all over the place that's something new like he didn't originally do that and he rolls and puts his hand up as aggressively as possible on, on every single one even though no one ever passes him the ball to it but so there's there's little things that i am happy to see him taking strides forward uh developing so I'm going to slap a nice B-plus on it, and uh, I hope we get more and have a, a clearer idea of what that grade truly is come second half of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that we will, although Dwayne Devin makes it scary. But I, I, do, hope, I do hope we get more, more ball read minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, last one here is Doc Rivers, the man, the myth, the legend. So Sixers sitting at third place in the East, a 38-19 record. <laughs> uh, what, what's your vibe on Doc so far this season? Oh, this is so tough. Um, I actually, so I actually have on my sheet, I have B plus, uh, which might be, I don't know if that's high. I don't know if it's higher than you. I don't know what it is, but um, I feel like there's been a lot of times this season where Doc has been really good or like, like a really good coach. And there's been other times where, you know, it's the classic shit that he does where like last night, like how do you, how do you go into the fourth quarter and at one point have a 22 point lead and then win the game by six. I get it. Like this is the NBA. The Cavs are a good team. Obviously going to fight back, but there's just things that just are so bothersome. Um, and like continuous things that we've seen year in and year out um, that make me want to put, you know, go even farther down. But I think that he's, he's shown a lot of um, like just really good coaching from, from missing a lot of guys, uh, you know, Harden missed a good period of time and beat has missed a good period of time. Maxi has missed a good period of time. Um, Tobias has missed some games. Like, there, there has been a, there was a good portion of the season where he did not have a full strength roster, and they were able to battle through it. And look at them now; they're they're playing really well, third seed in the Eastern Conference right now, behind the the Celtics and the Bucks. The Bucks are on an eleven game win streak after their win last night. Like they're up there with the best teams in the league. So you know it's hard to give him a terrible grade. Yeah, I'm gonna go B. Uh, I think he's been pretty solid, to be honest. And yeah. I, I really do think the negative perception of Doc has a lot more to do with just kind of his arrogant kind of outlook in the way he says things rather than what he actually does or how he actually coaches and the backup center stuff is there's definitely a lot to nitpick and that is looked at under a microscope by myself and everyone in, in the Sixers kind of world uh but I do think he's been pretty good doc like I can't really hate on it too much I do think he does his best coaching when there are injuries and guys out and when he is a floor raising coach which is not exactly what you desire in a, a championship contending team but it is a, a positive quality nonetheless uh so, yeah, I, I am pretty satisfied with Doc for the most part. But uh, I guess kind of similar to Tucker is come playoffs is when the yep. kind of judgment. Those are when he has to fight his demons, even though he doesn't think he has any to prove. He definitely does from a reputation standpoint. Uh, yeah, do you have any more on Doc? 
Not too much, man. I was going to say the same thing. I think a lot of this is all kind of uh, futile until we get to the playoffs. A uh, guy like Doc, I, I think we've haven't really questioned his regular season coaching too much. It's going to come down to those those seven game series that we'll watch. Yeah, I'm going to throw one more at you real quick, and uh, that's okay. Daryl Morey. So, if you want to look at the <sighs> Daryl Morey track record this year, I mean, I'll list off cutting Isaiah Joe, cutting Charles Bassey. He did trade Matisse Thibel for Jalen McDaniels. We worked with a 14 uh, or with 14 players in open roster spot for most of the season. Been a little two way movement. That's about what that's all that's gone on uh, during the season. I'll lump in the Tucker and Daniel House signings and the Danthony Melton trade. What kind of grade would you give Maury? Um, I'm gonna get. I would give Maury a a B or B minus. Um, somewhere in there. Like, oh man, the Isaiah Joe stuff. I don't spend, I don't lose sleep over this the way I feel like a lot of other Sixers fans might lose sleep over it. And by no means are they in the wrong. Um, I just choose not to think about it, but that was bullshit. That was, that was bullshit. And like, I don't know where it came from to be completely honest with you. Um, Bassey is whatever. I think he's going to be a good player. I think it'll be fine. Um, but it's whatever. Yeah. Good. And good for him. We're, I, I'm very happy for him and what, you know, what he'll be able to do with his career um, down there. But Isaiah Joe is, you know, is the best three-point percentage in the entire league right now. He's shooting yeah. almost five attempts per game. So, like, he's a legit three-point shooter and a guy that, like, every NBA team would want to have on their roster, and we let him walk um, for legitimately for free. So that is where I think you, you, you have the big miss. I, I don't I don't want to hear for, from Dwayne Dan, Dedman for a very long time. But like, that, that kind of stuff just pisses me off. It's like, you're literally, like, this has to be a meme. It has to be a joke of some sort, like, you're not stupid. You know what has happened to this team for the last four years. So don't do that to me. The D'Anthony Melton trade, fantastic, right? Like, great move. I just raved over PJ Tucker for a little bit. Great move there. Daniel House sucks. <laughs> he does. So that's that's a pretty brutal move at the end of it. So like, it's been like three or four pretty bad moves to three or four pretty good moves. He's kind of right in that middle. Like, B is fine for me. I expected more from him, but... In the margins, he's done a pretty good job. If it, and if his owner is telling him to conduct the duck, duck the luxury tax, then you know he can only do so much. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go C minus here. Uh, I needed a little more. The continuing overlooking of the backup center position is so frustrating to me. It's like banging your head against the wall. And I guess you can argue like I, we expected Montrez to be better. Uh, I'm sure that's valid. Uh, I, I uh, Charles Bassey, like you can kind of brush it off, but I think Charles Bassey might right now be better than better than Dwayne Dedman and certainly on a like cost controlled and a guy that you have the possibility to groom for the long term. And Isaiah Joe, I get sick of the argument of like, well, they didn't have room for him in the rotation. It's like, if you can't find room for the NBA's leading three point shooter, then like there's bigger issues here. So I, I don't agree with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's been thing, positive things he's been has done the mountain trade. I do think the McDaniels move is a, a good yeah. one, especially that they weren't going probably not going to sign Matisse. So but yeah, I just would have liked to see a little more from Moy. I understand he's not loaded with assets by any means, but it's time to go for it. And I don't feel like they they fully put the foot on the gas this uh this deadline. Yeah, which is frustrating. But again, if you're if your boss is telling you to to stay under a certain number and you can only do so much and you don't have too much to give out, uh, it's hard to bring other guys in. But there was just so much movement. Um, right. I feel like you expected there to be somebody available, especially in the backup center market um, for the guys that were just going for like a, a second round pick. Um, and there were certain guys that wanted out. And I also like 
I don't know if this is we haven't talked about it much, and obviously we need to kind of wrap up here. But like, dude, all Furkan asked was to go play somewhere else. Like the the least you could have done for the guy is send him away. Like yeah. he's not Again, playing. Yeah, he's not playing. He's not gonna play here. And he could have just been a guy that get moved for a backup. Like it just seemed like that one was like already teed up for you. All he had to do was swing, and he didn't. Like I I, I feel bad for Furk. Like. I don't think his his intent was malicious at all. I think it was like, man, I want to play basketball. Like you guys pay me to play basketball, and you're not letting me play. So like, let me go somewhere else. And they didn't even do that for him. So that kind of pissed me off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe they would have had to attach things, and that's why that it wouldn't get done. Nobody wanted to take on that kind of contract for for a comp. But I agree. I, I would rather him being in another uniform and at least that's like something else done and you can bring in yeah. some sort of fresh blood other than we know what we're getting with Ferk and he's not getting off the bench for the rest of the season. So I do agree. Uh, shout out to Ferk. He's going through some personal matters and everything has gone on in Turkey. So he stepped away from the team for a little bit for now. So hopefully everything works out in his world for sure. Sending prayers his way. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Yeah. I think we can wrap things up here. That is the trade deadline or uh, <laughs> all-star break special and, and grades and report cards so i appreciate all you guys for tuning in make sure to drop a like and subscribe if you haven't already me and james will be back before the second half of the season to kick it off with a uh, maybe a little deeper talk about the the lineups and everything else with that so we will talk to you then uh appreciate all you guys <laughs>